Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. Quick reminder that the new book is out. You Can Change Other People, The Four Steps to Help Your Colleagues, Employees, Even Family Up Their Game. This is a business book, but it's also a personal book. I wrote it from my experience as a coach, helping people change entrenched self-sabotaging behaviors. And I put all my knowledge and all of Peter Bregman, my co-author's knowledge, into a book to help you do the same thing with the people that you care about in your life. So it's available right now. It is for sale wherever books are sold. You know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstore.org, your local independent bookshop, my personal preference if you can do that. And I would love for you to get a copy. That is one amazing way to support me is to help the sales of the book and to read it and implement it. And if you like, go on Amazon or somewhere and leave a review. All right, so let's get to today's episode. All right, let's get to today's show. Today's episode covers technology and spirituality. And I am very skeptical when it comes to putting those together, because to me, spirituality is about something transcendent. It's not about the sort of grasping mind. And technologists tend to be in it for the profit and have tended to commodify spiritual seeking, just another thing to have or to chase after to to collect and accumulate. And so the the technological imperatives can make us lose track of the ultimate goal of being one with the universe of being OK with who we are without needing to get the next thing, whether it's a, a car or a lover or an experience or enlightenment itself. Today's guest, Danielle Roberts, is the founder of Awareness Lab and Meditation Lab, and she is approaching the ideas of spirituality and spiritual seeking and mindfulness, looking to use technology as a means to get us there as opposed to a means to make her rich or her investors rich. So in the conversation, we talk about her goals, her work, her own life crisis that led her to embrace meditation as a as a means of transcending some of the the difficulties of life on this earth and her artistic background and how that plays into the creation of experiences that help people become more mindful and experience spiritual growth. So without further ado, Danielle Roberts, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Well, thank you very much, Howard. I'm uh, really happy to be here. So you have spent a lot of time working with technology, with uh, with costumery, with art, with um, the Internet of Things, and it's all been in the service of something like meditation or mindfulness or spirituality or transcendence. Um, I want to get into kind of which of those and which ones of those it is. But first, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your your very unique background and journey. Okay, fine. 
Um, yeah, well, I was trained as a visual artist. Uh, that was uh, somewhere uh, last millennium, so that's quite a while, <laughs> a while back. Um, and a couple of years after I graduated from art school, I, um, I, I got a personal crisis, got into a personal crisis. And I didn't want to be an artist anymore. And uh, I looked all over the place to see yeah, what else I could do. And yeah, it sort of exhausted me. And after a couple of years, I, uh, I decided, yeah, I, I can't figure this out by thinking. So I decided, well, I just sit down and, and meditate and see what, what answers uh, come to me. So that was, um, yeah, the start of my uh, meditation practice. And uh, it was kind of funny that through uh, a meditation group, I met someone who was really into computers and, and Internet. And he, um, he invited me to, to write something for his website. So that was just at the start of, 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 of the Internet, like the late uh, 90s. And, um, well, I was sort of intrigued. He gave me a really old uh, DOS computer <laughs> uh, with, a, with green uh, letters on the screen, and I could write things up and deliver it to him digitally. And I just started writing about my meditation experiences and, and things I was looking for. So right from the start, uh, somehow the meditation and technology, Internet, sort of became intertwined. So um, I started picking up my art practice again and, yeah, writing about, yeah, little writing and, and pho photography, taking photos, uh, writing haikus, doing all kinds of, combining all kinds of media to sort of explore, um, yeah, what I, what I was experiencing, uh, yeah, during, yeah, during meditation, what I was looking for, of course, hindrances and all kinds of things that, that come up. And uh, so that was all sort of screen-based. And um, uh, then around yeah, a couple of years later, um, I started looking again away from the screen. And, um, and fortunately, uh, like sensor technology and microcontrollers became more available and more widespread. And uh, so I started... Yeah, of, of course, also with help from, from experts, but I started exploring that, measuring things about myself, my heart rate, my breathing, uh, my stress levels. And um, so that was a sort of more um, yeah, ob objective, quantitative side to the writing and photography I, I had, had done before. Mm -hmm. So can, can I ask you to... You know, sort of jump in with some questions about yeah, that. Sure. Um, yeah. So I don't want I don't want to pry into, you know, the nature or the of the personal crisis. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm curious that you you turn to meditation. You know, was it sort of to solve it? Because like you said, like your mind had, had hit a dead end. Like I don't uh, like what did you think meditation was going to do for you? Yeah, I had, of course, been reading a lot also about it and about enlightenment and getting deep insights and relieving suffering and things like that. So that was actually what I was looking for then. And I'm still looking for now, actually. So, um, 
yeah, this the the most deep insight that a human can have, like a, a personal transformation. Uh, yeah, these are the things that I'm not not just becoming quiet or less less stressful. I want to go for the <laughs> set the bar really high. So uh, yeah, that was my goal then, and and I'm still. Yeah, goal is perhaps not not really the right word, but that's yeah what what really fascinates me and actually what the main driver of of everything I do and my mm-hmm. my whole life. So gotcha. Yeah. So some somehow your exploration and practice of meditation brought art back into your life. What yeah. how what was it? That, was it was it that you think like art isn't making a difference? It's not fulfilling me. It's too commercial. Like what what allowed what allowed you and art to reconcile? Yeah. So the the reason I I was just really disappointed in 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 what art could could bring, and also the way yeah, when you, when you're young and you just graduate and you're really passionate about what you do. And then you realize, oh, well, the world isn't really <laughs> waiting for another young artist, even though, yeah, the work was, was, was interesting. It, it, it was like really confronting. I thought it was, yeah, it was hard, to, yeah, hard to take. And um, I was also looking for these deeper insights through my work. I did sculpting and monumental design. And, yeah, I was also exploring, yeah, personal... Um, experiences and trying to capture that in little sculptures and and and, and things like that um so so the disappointment was yeah what was the reason that i said well leave it it's also the whole world you know you have to know people and you have to come from amsterdam and not from the south where where i live and uh, in order to get grants and and things like that so the whole world sort of yeah, the whole art world, yeah, just wasn't appealing to me anymore. And why did I, yeah, finally, yeah, <laughs> go get back to art again? Was because uh, in my in my meditation practice, I was sort of rediscovering joy in in simple things, hmm. in 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 just living, in walking, in little little objects. Um, and they brought a spark of joy and 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 yeah meaning back back into my life so um so I, I started to capture those and that was actually what i was also writing about in on that website taking pictures of just everyday everyday day things everyday activities a pebble in my hand you know tiny there nice flower along alongside the road uh, morning skies Things like that, things that make you feel alive. Mm. So, you know, most most artists I know and my, you know, both of my children are artistic. I don't know if they would call themselves artists, but, you know, from very young, that was their fun. Right. Uh And so I'm wondering if that's if that's what meditation allowed you to get back to, like the type of art you did as a maybe a three year old or a seven year old. Um. Or, you know, that that sort of relationship with like without trying to like impress the world or make a living. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the last thing you, you mentioned, I think that was really important that I was that was the really nice thing about publishing your art on, on the Web. 
I could control it myself. No one had to agree or disagree. I could. I, I felt a lot of freedom in just showing what I was doing, sharing these precious moments that I experienced, these little miracles, everyday miracles, I called them. And that was really, really liberating. And, and it, it did bring back the joy of making things. Even when I was a kid, I, I loved yeah, tinkering, making things, repairing things. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that made it yeah really simple again. Not not so high highbrow or artifarty. It was just simple and and and, and yeah, intimate actually. Mm-hmm. That's true. So at at some point, you said you, these these uh, sensors became more available and affordable. Um, mm-hmm. So what made like there's all these things that I do in my life that I it never would occur to me to quantify, <laughs> right? I uh, um, but you, there was something about the meditation experience or the spiritual experience that you felt could be translated into essentially ones and zeros, right? Like where where did yeah. that idea come from? Okay, yeah, yeah. So. Um... So as I as I already explained, I'm I'm just really interested in in going further, exploring deeper, than, and and seeing what actually, yeah, is is the most fulfilling, makes me happy, makes me brings me closer to the transcendent or to true insight. So I started exploring. Um, Er, yeah, in the beginning, just with, with, with things that I could buy or even little pieces of software that I wrote myself that, for example, popped up every two hours on my computer screen and asked me how was, I, how was my mood, uh, how was my energy level, um, how, how, did I feel inner peace, things like that. And it all just it logged all these data and sent them to, to an, 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 on, an online uh, database. And what I wanted to do with was that is by sort of, of course, these data isn't the, the essence of who I am, but by sort of going around who I am, I was trying to, to sort of get a grip on what are the most important and impactful things in my life? Is it, is it the weather? Is it my mood? Is it uh, how I feel inside? Um, So so these are the things that I wanted to get a grip on and wanted to get more insight in Mm -hmm. into. So I know there's there is a um, an ethos within certain some meditation circles, and I certainly am no expert on the the wide variety of, of meditative traditions in which that's really all about acceptance of the now. Right. Like whatever is, is what you're meditating on. So whether you're meditating on the fact that you're, you know, your kids are fighting in the next room or mm-hmm. it's raining out and you wish it was sunny or you have a pain in your back. Um, and yet part of your exploration was how do we get optimal meditation? Is there a contradiction there between accepting whatever life brings us and then trying to optimize our environment? Um, yeah, I, yeah, 
this this question has been posed to me earlier of course it's 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 understandable um i think um um what i what i try to do is it's not that i that i don't know being with what there is i've i've got a meditation practice of 25 years standing practicing every day going retreat to retreats all without without the technology what what makes me curious is to think what if we add some technology that can sort of influence us or um, or the through the environment so that was my project um, meditation lab experimenter kits so with the emphasis on exper- experimenter so you could experiment if the environment could help you for example uh, yeah becoming quieter more easily or um, focused more easily you still mm-hmm are in the here and now. I mean, the the, the neighbors keep uh, drilling uh, holes <laughs> in the wall and you can't control that. But if you have an environment that, that is sort of supportive for your endeavor, uh, that was what I what I was curious about, to see if, if that's possible. Mm-hmm. So, so something like, you know, I think you've written about wanting to make the meditative experience or the or spiritual experiences more accessible to more people. So that there's there's a way in which the very simplicity and purity of meditation both says, well, anybody can do it, but also the bar, it, it, the bar is very high for having an experience that you would want to do again. You know, if I eat a piece of chocolate, I'm kind of hooked. I'm like, oh, I, I get why that's fun. When I first sat down to meditate, I was like, I'm bored. I'm in pain. And, sure. no, and, nothing, and you know, and nothing good happened. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's uh, yeah. What you what you describe is exactly why, even though it's it's um, uh, simple, it's not easy. I mean, you you uh, the thing that that most people I think also find very hard is that it's confronting eh? it confronts you with your own thoughts your inner restlessness uh, and and um, and also it's also practical so you have to set apart yeah some of your time during our busy lives to to yeah to just yeah do nothing essentially sit there and meditate and your legs may hurt, and then you think, "Yeah, well, I'd, I'd rather go call a friend, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you say, eat, eat some uh, some nice snack, or to, to feel better." So, it's like, yeah, sort of a steep, yeah, curve before you get. I mean, for me personally, it also took me years before meditating became more or less pleasant i mean it was like a, a, real, a real struggle it was sort of yeah so i, I yeah it, it's it, it's it's hard sort of hard to sell like why why should i was really motivated by the idea of transcendence and getting ultimate insight so and that what kept me going and also of course you have little glimmers of, of insight and, and and different kinds of experiences and you feel that it does something to you that's you can't get yeah any other way somehow but um 
I mean, it's it's like a hard a hard path. It's it's uh, sort of mm -hmm. a bit cruel, maybe <laughs> even. Right. Well, I, I mean, I remember. I think this must have been in the late '90s, early 2000s. We got this um, so software program with that had uh, a wearable called Wild Divine. Um, and it was essentially a, a video game, a very sort of lush, colorful video game that you controlled with these sensors on your fingers. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, I you know, I remember it was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't sure what it was actually doing for me because it's, you know, I still like meditation was sort of like about not striving about sort of being and yet I was trying to make the balloon rise or, or mm -hmm, achieve mm -hmm. things. And at the same time, I was also proving to myself that my thoughts had power to change my physiology, which could change the world. It was kind of, it was kind of magical mm -hmm, to change mm -hmm. how I thought and breathed and make a, a thing go up and down is is that a little bit about what, what you're up to when you are helping people externalize the meditate, the goals of meditation? So like, you know, transcendence and insight are one thing, but seeing numbers in the in the real world is is a completely different thing. But it, it certainly can be fun and motivating. Um, what exactly do you mean by seeing numbers? Um, well, you, you, I, I was looking at the uh, the silent suit, right, which was this mm -hmm. like monk's cow, cowl or monk's robe with, that has all these technology in it. And you can look at your data so you can see like here. I'm my data is now a you know numerical algorithmic manifestation of some inner state. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so on the one hand, I'm fascinated by that. And on the other hand, like, well, doesn't again, doesn't that um, supersede the idea that meditation is is subjective? OK, um, let's see if I can pick that apart, because there's go anywhere you want. The question might not have been particularly clear, so I, I want to use that yeah. sort of as a you know, as a diving board for you to go in whatever direction you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I see a couple of diving boards here. And so um, I think what's important to understand is that the um, the silent suit and the whole uh, meditation lab experimental kit is um, is not actually about the data. The data is gathered. So uh, so actually train an algorithm which influences your environment. In this case, we started with light. So our, our idea was that our light has an, has an impact on you. Your, your complete environment, of course, influences your, your state, uh, uh, your, your inner state. And um, we wanted to see if by tweaking the light, uh, there's research on that, um, and at certain types of light, for example, stimulate, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, concentration, others stimulate relaxation. So these are, for example, two things that can help you, uh, yeah, go deeper, perhaps, into your meditation practice. Mm. So, 
So you could just use the suit and the whole software suite and the light that's part of the of the system to just meditate and and under different light conditions with which would be optimized by yeah for you. So that's one way to use it. And then uh, yeah, hopefully it would, for example, if you have a bad day, it would still be easier for you to to um, yeah to to concentrate or to relax. And and also it, it's real time. So the algorithm algorithm keeps looking at, at what's going on mm. once it's trained yeah. well enough. And then it, it wouldn't adjust the light. So you could just do that. Put on the suit and sit with the line and do your regular mm -hmm. thing. There's no and and this would be some no uh -huh. and this would be like one of these like Philips smart lights that would it would change the the yeah. hue yeah, that's what and intensity. Used, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's we yeah, yeah. So you could change the color and uh, brightness, things like that. And yeah, so like I said, based on on research that's been done in, in completely different domains, by the way, education and for during driving like truck drivers who may fall asleep. Yeah, which also happens during meditation, of course, sometimes. So, um, so we, we sort of took from that and um, yeah, experimented with it. So that's one thing. On the other hand, of course, it's, it's, it's a really mis mysterious thing that happens while, while you meditate. It's, um, and, and, and you can, it's, it's fine to leave it at that, but yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite interesting yeah, quite interested in in what actually happens in my in my body uh, you, you observe your mind and you also can also observe your body what but what are the what, what's actually going on what is my breathing rate for example is it and how does this relate to what happens in my brain so you can also use it, and that's the, the data part, to, to look back. There, there's also like a, a qualitative questionnaire to assess your, your, your meditation quality. And then you can start comparing like, oh, oh well, I see these numbers and these are, these are my outcomes from, from the questionnaire. And, and then you can maybe start to see patterns. I mean, the next step would be, that, that the software would do that and, and present you with things, but that was not how far we, we got at that uh, stage. Mm -hmm. So that's for the, for the curious who, yeah, who maybe also want to look under the hood, so to speak. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> so one, one thing that, that really captured my attention was one of the subjective questionnaires that you used was designed for um, psychedelic experiences. Right. Yes. So what made you th what made you say that's applicable to meditation? OK, yeah, well, the the, uh, the mystical uh, experience questionnaire that you're referring to, um, that is used in an other project. So. Um, uh, OK, so so that is used uh, in my project Magic Tea that I'm currently working on and um, what I want to do in that project is to see if if ordinary activities uh, uh, through technology can lead to uh, transcendent experiences. So uh, the, the 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 suit we talked about earlier, the suit with the software is is uh, yeah. Uh, 
as its focus on formal meditation. You, you might also use the suit while boiling tea, for example, but uh, it was it was designed uh, the, for formal meditation. And and my next the next project, the one that I'm working on now, is actually taking like a sort of flipped um, um, approach where I see. You also hear that a lot, for example, in Zen Buddhism, Buddhism, they also talk a lot about bringing the, the, like the higher, so to speak, and, and the ordinary closer together, or maybe they're already one. Mm. And that's what I want to, to explore. And also to see again, like, can technology uh, help, uh, yeah, facilitate that? Can it, can it, yeah promote these these types of, of uh, experiences. So now to come back to your question about this questionnaire. So um, I'm an artist and I just like making things, but I also would like to know, does it work? <laughs> so if I want to um, create a transcendent experience um, for people while they're brewing a cup of tea, I'll, I'd have to test that. And um, so I, I looked at, at various uh, scales uh, from, from psychology me me measurements and um, the reason I chose uh, the mystical experience questionnaire, uh, it, it has only 30 items and it actually explores uh, what they also do with these with these uh, psychedelic sessions is they're also interested in can, can these psychedelic drugs uh, yeah, promote transcendent experiences? So the goal is the same, except they use drugs and I use technology, so to speak. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's why I, um, yeah, I started using those. And, and also, yeah, I mean, uh, making a cup of tea is like it, the whole, um, it's, like, it's like an installation. And... Uh, the whole process takes about 15 minutes. So if you would then have to 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 fill in like a hundred uh, question uh, <laughs> scale, yeah, I think yeah that would be too much. So I yeah I discovered this more compact one, which also measures yeah the things that I'm I'm interested in to see to measure the effects of my uh, my installation. So yeah, that's why I used it. Mm -hmm. um... So what um, one thing I'm curious about is so you have to, you have these sensors that are whether it's the the silent suit for formal meditation or the sensors people are wearing for the magic tea mm -hmm. uh, installation that have to they're measuring something and mm -hmm. whatever they're measuring or and even the the questionnaires that you give people afterwards you have to choose what you're going to measure. And I know I, lo I looked at your LinkedIn profile. I know you have a background in nutrition as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for, for me, I think about, you know, how do we tell how can we tell what's good for somebody? The only way is to like follow them for their whole life and see how long they live and how healthy they are. But we're always looking for biomarkers. We're looking for nutrients in food, you know, oh, there's B12 in this food and there's lycopene in the tomatoes. And of course, we get into terrible trouble with reductionism, where we say, well, if we can change these these biomarkers, then that must be good for us. And so mm -hmm. I'm wondering, did you struggle with 
a reductionism to say, well, this is what we can measure. So this is how we're going to define transcendence or spirituality. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, measuring something, yeah, like transcendence, which is already hard to describe in itself an experience a transcendent experience is really hard to put into words i mean that's one of the hallmarks of, of <laughs> such an experience uh -huh. um so yeah yeah i think we're always a bit um yeah we can't really do justice to 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 the yeah to to such an experience um but i think yeah, we can learn from 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 the tools that that are out there, and um, but but yeah, I suppose they're certainly not not perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, like, what you know, when you're talking about transcendent experiences, how do you talk about it? Because, you know, the meditation teachers that I have followed basically say, if you, you know, if you had the experience, you would recognize how absolutely ordinary it is at the same time. And, uh -huh, uh -huh. and you know, so like I have a mental concept, but the mental concept comes from my identification with my ego. Like I think about what it would be like to not have an ego. Um, mm -hmm. how, do, how, do you, how do you even talk about, you know, as, as an artist, as a public figure, as an experimenter, as someone who, I, who might, I, you're going around convincing people to give you money for this as, through grants or whatever? How do you even oh. talk about transcendence in a way that other people can, either, if not understand, at least get behind? Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. Um, um, I think one way uh, to do it is to actually not talk about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, because it's... Um, yeah, for example, if people partake in, in, in experiments, I, I, I don't talk about transcendence. I just talk about a specialty experience, for example. Mm -hmm. So, um, that, well, actually, the nice thing about transcendence is that they really have a lot of positive aspects uh, coupled to them. So, it's apart from the higher spiritual yeah, meaning. Uh, there are also things like, uh, yeah, people find purpose. They they have a, a more positive effect. You know, all kinds of, of things that that are e more easy to grasp. People get are more relaxed. Um, yeah, there's there's all kinds of, of more sort of mundane things you can say about uh, about like these these peak experiences. So that's also a way I approach it. For example, with the silent suit, um, it, it was like a, 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 um, a European uh, prize, which it, it had to do with health. So then you, yeah, you sort of reframe, uh, yeah, it more to a health perspective. It's a sort of lens you can you can put on things. So you can also you can look at it transcendence, for example, from a very, yeah religious or spiritual perspective or you can look at more uh, uh, like okay what does it bring people what what benefits do people get from it um yeah so so that's sort of my sort of two approaches that i uh, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That I use. Okay. Yeah. So can you describe the tea installation? Because I watched some videos on it and, mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, it's, it's clearly very high tech and it's very mm-hmm. it's very intentionally designed. Mm-hmm. On, on the other hand, it's extremely simple and, and sparse. And I'd love for you just you know, just to describe like what we would see if we if or what we would experience if we were participating in it and what what thinking went into making it the way it was, because there are there, like it looked like every decision was so intentional. Yeah, well, thank you. I consider mm-hmm. that a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. So what do you see? Um, I think I, I, it's, it's, it's good to explain a little bit about the design uh, process, because what I actually did before I arrived at the activity of, of making tea as, as, a, as a subject for, for transcendent experiences, um, I, I first explored other, other types of activities that, that people could do or that might have like a, a might be p- potential uh, candidates for for uh, for a design. Um, and looking at history, of course, there's the Japanese tea ceremony from from the Zen Buddhist tradition. I talked to experts on the to part in a in a tea ceremony, and uh, yeah, then I thought, okay, that's so that's in that realm. That's in the in the Japanese culture. It, it's also like a really long trajectory to to become a tea master. Um, there aren't so many tea masters around here, so it seemed like both from what people experienced and from um, uh, yeah, like like sort of opportunities here in the West, it it, it seemed like a good activity to to sort of explore and see how can I transform this activity. Mm-hmm. So I work a lot with uh, with with users or potential users, uh, people who like drinking tea, uh, people who are interested in mindfulness, uh, also people yeah, who just want to experience <laughs> something else or are just curious about the project. And uh, what I did is look at the actual uh, uh, acts you do during during making preparing tea. So you tap water, you boil water, you seep the tea, and you drink the tea. And I presented uh, users with different scenarios to see which uh, which type of. I mean, usually you just have this electric water cooker. Uh, you have a mug and a tea bag and uh, ping it goes and you pour the tea and you're you're ready so i was so that's the the one extreme or you can even get it from from a machine and then you, you so then the process is completely hidden so um i had just had a like a hunch uh that uh, it, it that wasn't the most optimal way of making tea so i presented people on all these four aspects with different scenarios, for example, instead of using a water cooker, what if you could boil uh, uh, water on a campfire? So so that was the other extreme. So I explored with the users all these scenarios through videos and and sort of uh, like embodied experiences, looking at different types of tea. And uh, from that emerged a set of design principles 
um, uh, what people found important in 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 yeah having a, a different type of tea experience and also there are this again my uh, my quantified self uh, background also which um, 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 provoked uh, the, the 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 emotions and mind states that were uh, conductive and promotive of a transcendent experience so I had them fill in these questionnaires so from that I started designing a table so now I uh, I'm going to describe what, what what do you actually see so I I, I knew that it was I, I had learned from these experiments that it was really good for that it had a good effect on people to um, yeah, to, to separate all these activities and to make it really transparent and, and make it slow it down and uh, make it natural. So these are all kinds of things that, that emerge from, from these earlier experiments. So that's what I did. I laid, I made a, like a table. It, it had a shape of sort of a half a donut shape. And every uh, um, yeah, spot on that table there you could do a different activity. But then uh, every activity was actually modified. So you tap water, not not from, from a jar or from from the from the tap or whatever. It's like a really special process that also um, invites you to become more attentive and uh, pay special attention and become more aware of also the quality of water, for example. Mm. Like what is water and, and where does it come from? And it's not so obvious that it just comes from a tap and uh, yeah, then you, you, you right. throw so it away it, again. So this was, the, the water was in um, transparent glass and there was some sort of process where you had to siphon it, right, into, yeah, into, the, into the thing you're cooking. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So these are like a sort of a universal law of nature that I sort of apply to this really everyday activity of, of, of making making tea. So and by making it a bit harder and a bit slower, then um, people have the time to, to sort of contemplate. Also, I use media, sound in this case, to Sort of enhance the the idea that water isn't something that comes from the tap, <laughs> but water comes from yeah the, the universe from uh, it, it, it's maybe some maybe the water we we take is we use is a is a thousand years old or a million years old we we don't know so so that these are are sort of things that I wanted to um, yeah provide space for to to have these sort of associations occur in people mm. by by slowing down the process yeah it and making it transparent yeah it reminds me of you know in, in my religious tradition which is uh, Judaism there mm -hmm. pretty much everything you do has a blessing associated with it so like okay. when you eat bread the blessing is you know blessed be the one who brings bread forth from the earth which which if you if you listen to it um, literally begs mm -hmm. the question of like, how did it get there? How did it come out? How did it get transformed? Like it, it almost invites you to pay attention yeah. to the process 
And it sounds like in a, in a way that's what you're doing by saying, you know, this this is something you take for granted and you do mindlessly and you are completely unaware or ignorant of or neglectful of all of the other pieces that go into bringing you this water, thousands of, of municipal employees, millions of miles of piping, um, glaciers, uh, like to, to see the water there and have to do something with it really invites the user to, to come into a, a, a much more connected relationship. Yeah, exactly. I really, really like the way you, you put that. And actually, connection was one of, yeah, I, I must say, I, I, I really like that you, yeah, what you bring up now, because I don't know if you have read anything by Thich Nhat Hanh. He's like the, the Vietnamese uh, Zen uh, teacher. And he has written a, a small book on the Heart Sutra. It's a, 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 a classic Buddhist, Buddhist text where they talk about the, uh, the concept of emptiness. Emptiness is, of course, really yeah, di difficult to, to grasp, but its main characteristics are interconnectivity and um, the way that everything is always changing, is impermanent. Mm. And these actually these two things, eh, you mentioned connection just now, and, and Thich Nhat Hanh has these really beautiful examples of how the, 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 the page you are reading, how it goes back to the tree and to the, uh, to the earth and to the leaves and to the... So he makes all these connections and he says that is emptiness. So, um, and that's actually where my whole... Uh, the installation is based on. I wanted to to sort of embody for for people to have an embodied experience of emptiness, where there indeed is this interconnectivity, and the way that things change. Like you say, there's a whole process in making bread and all the things that go into it. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to 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 have people experience while while making this cup of tea. So. Mm. I love yeah. your uh, comparisons. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, then at one point, the the participant has to strike a match. Yeah. Right. But does it, I, I wasn't clear. Does it light a fire? Because it looked like there were electrical coils heating it. So I wasn't clear on the relationship yeah. of the match to the ignition of the heat source. Sure. Yeah. Like um, like I said, I I, I presented uh, uh, people with with these uh, participants with with these experience uh, scenarios, and uh, unanimously people wanted to boil water on a campfire. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. I I also would myself, but. Um, it's yeah, it's indoors and uh, it's of course not not feasible. So what I wanted to do is have take something from that campfire experience and put it in this sort of high tech um, um, installation. So uh, that's why I I use the match. So people strike the match, and uh, it it triggers a sensor, a light sensor, which then triggers this. Uh, immersion heater hmm. so they strike a match and they start the heating process so that's that's what happens there yeah i see and, and also there's um there's sound that um is 
connected to their to biofeedback, right? They're wearing sensors. So the experience <laughs> is uniquely. Um, so what what is it measuring and how how does it feedback and what what happens typically with that feedback loop? Does it inhibit mm -hmm. certain things? Is it a positive or a negative feedback loop? What what mm -hmm. what happens? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I measure, I measure two things. I measure heart rate and uh, breathing, breath flow. And um, what I want to what I want to do is not I'm not interested. The data isn't also isn't stored anywhere where it's not to to see. Are you getting more relaxed? What I want to do is represent uh, the user's uh, bio data in these various objects and, and through these different media. So and then we come back to this concept of emptiness and this interconnectedness. And, and the goal is actually to blur the boundaries between the user and the objects that, that he or she is interacting with. And I do that through yeah, taking these live measurements of these biodata and, and representing them in different ways. Mm -hmm. And do people do people notice because I think about, you know, mm -hmm. ways in which the environment can feed back to someone like, you know, sort of neuro linguistic programming, mirroring mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. where you can influence someone a great deal by by and they don't even notice. Like, do, do people can people tell that the the environment is actually a mirror of sorts? Well, so far they they haven't. I was I was yeah. It, it's one of the things that you uh, yeah yeah you you, um, you find out when you do uh, experiments. People do sometimes see the connection, like hey, this could be uh, heart rate or this could be breathing, but they don't actually uh, make the connection to themselves yet. So that's that's one of the next things that I'm, I'm working on to see how can I make that. Um, of course, it is it's, it's very illogical. It's not something you, you expect. You don't expect to see your heart rate in a, in a cup or uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or yeah, things like that. So. Um, so that will be my, my next challenge, actually, to to see if, if that is if that is possible also by making it a bit more accurate. And, and so there's some technical issues. Um, I don't explicitly don't want to tell the people mm. like, oh, pay attention because your heart rate is, is there and uh, uh, the breathing you can see there. I, I, I don't want to do that, but I do would like to sort of prime them like you say, in a, in a sort of really subtle way, so that they're more open to to recognizing these these this their own biodata. But that's yeah, a, a design uh, challenge. <laughs> mm. So uh. one thing I found really lovely was mm. when you were interviewing people about their experience. The the so many of them said that the peak of the experience was the tea leaves unfolding in the water, mm -hmm, and. Mm -hmm. And it's in, you know, I found it lovely because that's the the least technological thing of, yeah. the, of the whole process. This is sort of, you know, organic and natural. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, well, 
I do I do introduce some technology because I I light up the uh, the sort of teapot. It isn't an actual pot in in that version. I'm I'm working on another version where it is an actual an actual teapot. But I light up the leaves from below. Mm. So. Uh, uh, and people, it's also to do with eye level, I think. So usually in a, in a bag, you, of course, don't see the tea leaves. But even then, you sort of look from the top. You look you look down. And, and, and here you're more at, at eye level. Um, there's this light coming from, from below, which, which makes it really mad. It's, it's, it's already really beautiful to see. And um, so with the technology, I do sort of, yeah, um, accentuate the already beautiful process that is that is taking place, and the tea that I chose is also intentional. I, I yeah, it's also one of of the experiments that I did to see okay, what, which tea would be most um, suitable for this uh, installation, and and people also chose that one because of, of the rich visuals and because you actually see yeah, there we got, come at the other uh, one of the characteristics of, of emptiness that is uh, this impermanence and that you can see embodied in the in the leaves unfolding so yeah that, that that's my take on on yeah but i mean you do of course touch a, a, a yeah an important point like how much technology is necessary or maybe technology even gets in the way that, yeah that that could be <laughs> uh-huh. maybe uh, designing uh, the a new interaction slowing things down making things transparent is in itself already enough but i don't know if it's enough to actually have a transcendent experience. I mean, I, I already know that it's enough to, to make people relax and have a, an, an, an interesting and nice experience. That's already the results I, I harvested. But yeah, I would really, really like to go one step further. Not just be mindful, but yeah, do something with the perception of the self and, and the world around you to see if I can yeah get some sort of mind shift there yeah it's I, you because know, I, I was thinking as i was watching the experiment like w- what environments in my world would i like to play with to change people's you know experience and perceptions and to the two of that came up for me was what well, is my office which is a highly technological place so the computers here i've got my lights my microphone um you know, various pieces of tech. And and honestly, I come to the office in the morning and there's nothing here that wants to make me mindful, right? Like my computer just wants to suck me into Facebook or if I'm on a good day, suck me into my work that's going to make me money. Right. Mm -hmm. So so there's no, you know, again, coming back to the Jewish tradition, there's um, something called the mezuzah, which is a, like a little um, a container that holds a, a scroll of, 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 Bibl- of biblical text that yeah. you're supposed to. You walk through the door and you're reminded of the transcendence of what you're doing. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, and I started thinking, like, what could I do in my office that could slow me down, 
that could stop me from being sucked in the way, you know, because the, the world of hot beverages is going the way of Keurig, where, you, you know, you don't even have to think anymore and it just appears and you drink it and you haven't even noticed. Like, right. do you yeah. have any, like, I don't know, do you have you um, tried to apply any of these installations and kits and ideas to your everyday life, to like your office, to your home, to your kitchen, to help you, if not become, you know, 100 percent transcendent, then mm -hmm. then at least to move you away from the mindlessness that our that our mechanized world, um, you know, kind of calls forth. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, got the, the first thing I would say to that is that I, of course, do it in my work as an artist. And that's uh, that's where I am exploring, exploring these uh, these things. Um, the other thing I would like to say about that is that the tea, the drinking of tea is one example uh, on which you could, yeah, apply, um, yeah, certain certain technologies to, to try to promote transcendence. But I'm also working with students and um, design students and with them, I'm also going to explore what other activities or, or like you say, spaces or can there be that, that, that can maybe through little tweaks and changes can make you become, yeah, remind you of, of this bigger picture, not just our own um, yeah, little life and like you say, making money, being in a hurry, all all these things, um, uh, having a full agenda. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm for myself. I'm I'm really curious, like how how can this sort of spread and um, yeah, how can also be can my insights be made into tools that other people could use to, for example, you to experiment in your own office to see like, okay, what, what can I, what, what little tweaks could I do here uh, to, to, to bring in this, this transcendence of to, to invite it. Um, so that's, that's actually an, another line of my research that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build a, a toolkit that will empower people to, to, yeah, create these things for themselves. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of um, the work of Christopher Alexander around, mm -hmm. you know, a pattern language, you know, just, you know, he I think he looked at bigger spaces and sort of architectural um, and designs of, of, of like, you know, communities and cities. But the this idea that our environment reminds us who we are and we are so many things that are if that if our environment is completely chosen by a capitalist culture, it's going to remind us that we're consumers. Whereas if we if we put more intentionality into it, it can remind us that we're other things as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've been greatly inspired by the work of Christopher Alexander, uh, the way I design the, the table, the layout. I use certain uh, uh, some of his principles, uh, he calls them 50, the properties to create a sense of wholeness. And actually, he's a really spiritual architect. So yeah, it, his work has been a great, uh, great inspiration. And, and yeah, I, I 
he also gave me um, the faith to sort of uh, believe that, okay, through objects that you interact with, through spaces, you can, you can um, maybe set in motion or uh, open, open people up for, for different kinds of, of experiences and um, different mind states. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I mentioned there were two environments I was curious about. One is my office. Yeah, yeah, the other is yeah. the is the kitchen. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, so my job is I, I help people be healthier and I help them often make better food choices. And I realized one of the things that I do is I try to make it as easy as possible for people. So I'll tell people, you know, buy a bag of frozen chopped onions and just toss them in and use this. And, and it's all about efficiency and lowering the bar to those experiences. And I realize I'm 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 neglecting something else. And maybe that's fine to, at the beginning. But I'm wondering if you have thoughts or like in your kitchen, like if food is really like the ultimate transcendent thing, right? Food is how the world becomes us. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. if you have any, you know, any thoughts about kitchen design or dining room design, uh, little you know, things that we could try maybe to see if we can, you know, consume more emptiness and interconnectivity as well as, you know, vitamins, minerals and, mm -hmm. and, and calories. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that because it's uh, also some of I, I did. Uh, I did some research um, to see like which places in, in the house would are, are suitable candidates for for interventions on on transcendence and and being in the kitchen uh, I, I had people map their mind states and uh, what what happened there it was really interesting um, that that people often feel quite relaxed in the in the kitchen attentive and concentrated because of course they have to do these manual manual tasks um, and uh, so I think my choice for for choosing tea was also that I wanted to do something with food. Food, yeah, sucks you in. Um, and um, yeah, but how to design your kitchen? I yeah, I mean that could be a whole. Uh, maybe we could jump into that together. <laughs> but uh, that could be a whole new new project to, to, to think about uh, to think about uh, these things like what opportunities are there in the in the kitchen. I, I think one of the things that's really interesting is making things more transparent. That's also what I what I applied, of course, in my installation. And then you can sort of see more. Uh, yeah, so it's always like a balance between yeah, being practical, productive, effective, and and bringing in the, this this other sphere, this other mind mindset. And I find that by making things a bit, maybe a bit harder and uh, um, and more transparent, more visual, then you can can more easily make this connection and find more fascination in in these everyday tasks. Mm. Right. So, you know, I, I would say, like, for me, the 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 baseline for more, I wouldn't say maybe transcendence, but certainly I mean, mm -hmm. I also don't think it's a binary where the where at a certain point you tip into transcendence mm -hmm. that you can be more or less aware. 
And I guess, you know, mm -hmm. transparent means, you know, allowing light in, mm -hmm, right? But mm -hmm. both, you know, physical and spiritual light, uh, mm -hmm. that anything that could get me sort of to slow down and think about the larger process of which whatever I'm doing is a single node. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's this movement. Um, it's called um, slow design, and they have set these um, uh, yeah principles and um, and uh, yeah uh, yeah that was actually that was someone else who sort of added, for example, ritual to to the principles of slow design. Uh, making things transparent is is one of the slow design principles, but also ritualizing things like, like you say, saying a blessing or doing something or doing certain movements. You, I think that's also would also be is also a good way into making the ordinary. Yeah, more special, more mindful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So what, one one more question. Uh, well, more more than one more question. But <laughs> the next question. I'm almost I'm almost done with you. Why did you, why did you why did you call it the magic tea installation? Why why magic? It's such it's such a loaded word. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose it's my way of hinting towards something beyond the ordinary. So tea is, a, is an ordinary thing. Eh? Like I said, the, the water cooker, the tea bag, the mug. Okay, yeah, what, what can be magic about a cup of tea? So I wanted to sort of trigger people to, to realize that even eh, brewing a cup of tea can be, yeah, an, an extraordinary experience, and which is, of course, what I hope to to achieve with my uh, with my installation. Hmm. Uh, and so, for people um, who are interested in interacting with, it, is is the only way to do it to to come to your lab and do the tea ceremony? Can those those silent suits are they available either to buy or with open source instructions to make like for people who are like, oh, this is really cool. What are there things they can do to um, to participate? OK, yeah, I, I yeah, I suppose they can check out at least start by checking out the website. So for the silent suit, I, I have the website meditationlab.nl. Um, okay, and that's NL, like the, like the Netherlands the country. Netherlands, where, so, I, where I come from. So meditationlab.nl. .nl. Okay. Right? And um, so for me personally, um, the, the thinking that went into a Meditation Lab Experimental Kit was that of open source and, and also developing it, developing it further with a community. So if there is someone out there who says, oh, I'm, I'm really triggered by this, I would like to take this on and, and, and start working on it. Yeah, for me, I'm just one person. And, and yeah, it, it's it's not something I'm that has my focus at, at the moment. But mm -hmm. yeah, if people are interested in, in taking that on, yeah, but please contact me. That would be really nice. Um, as for the magic tea, um, it's still under under development actually, and um, 
that it will be shown uh, uh, at the, the virtual Dutch Design Week, which is a, a really big, really big event uh, uh, with, with a lot of designers from, from the Netherlands, but also, yeah, abroad. So there you can, yeah, see, see a bit more how, how it works. Um, okay. And what's the website for the Magic Tea? Uh, the magic tea you can find uh, at, at my main website for my for my company. It's called awarenesslab.nl, and there you can look under projects, and you can also see uh, the, the yeah the other projects that yeah have have a lot of overlap with uh, with what I do with magic tea. Okay. And there is also a link to to the blog. Uh, and, and you can see, yeah, the various design steps and experience, experiments that I did. So, um, yeah. right. And I'll include links to all that in the show notes for, for this episode as well. All right. So my final question, and I like I have been asking this of guests recently and I'm really enjoying it. Is there any mm -hmm. is there any music that you are listening to now or enjoying that other people don't know about that is sort of a you know, something something you could share. Yeah, yeah, I, there's there is music that I listen to, but it's it's uh, sort of the complete opposite of what we've been uh, talking about. Well, that's maybe not why, but so it's it's dance music and um, so electronic electronic dance music. And there's this Dutch duo uh, called Moxie. Mm -hmm. And they make uh, great stuff. <laughs> M-O-X-I-E? M-O-S-K-I. M-O-S-K-I. Mosky. Moxy. M-O... Oh, I'm really bad at spelling. M-O-K-S-I. M-O-K-S-I. Sorry. All right. I will go find them. I'll throw up a YouTube if I can find it and a, a, a link to a, a Spotify uh, oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Great. And anything you want to uh, share that I haven't asked about? Um, no, I think it's it's been really, really interesting to 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 go in depth. Uh, yeah, about my own uh, motives and, and the projects that I did. And uh, I was really inspired mm -hmm. by your yeah, your your uh, perspective from from Buddhism, uh, from Ju Judaism. So that's that's really nice. I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, it's really interesting. Great. Well, I, I was inspired yeah. to go make a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so De Danielle Roberts, thank you for taking the time. You have su such an interesting and brave, from my perspective, brave career of of diving into the unknown again and again. Um, and so I really I appreciate the insights that you shared and um, the, the way the unknown ways in which we can benefit from them and for taking the time today. OK, thank you very much. It's been a really nice experience talking to you. All right. It's a wrap. I hope you found that useful. Definitely check out Danielle's websites, uh, awarenesslab.nl and meditationlab.nl. NL stands for Netherlands, where she lives and is from. Um, if you like the show and you'd like to support the mission of the show, you can always do so by becoming a patron. And you can go to plantyourself.com slash gift to find out more about how to do that. You can also spread the word, let people know on social media, email people if you think this is something a particularly useful episode for them to listen to. 
You can also go leave a review and some stars for the podcast. Let people know what you think about it. And that helps us reach a wider audience. So garden news, we got what might be our final uh, bunch of basil for some pesto pasta the other night. There are still beans to be harvested and the greens look like they're beginning to come alive now that it's been cool for a couple of weeks. And the bees, of course, are very, very happy pollinating like crazy. So the garden looks a little bit like a mess because there's a lot of stuff in there that's sort of dying or unruly, but it's all part of the organic system of nature. Not things in nature are usually not neat and tidy, but they are uh, fecund, which is uh, a word not as dirty as it might sound at first blush. I feel like I should expand running news to uh, sort of fitness news because today I did not go running. Instead, I did a yoga workout that I have not done in probably 10 years. It's an old, old VHS tape that I got again on DVD and then converted to digital. It's uh, Ali McGraw yoga with Eric Schiffman. It was about a 45 minute workout. Did it in my office this morning. Felt so good. So I think I I'm going to go running short run or a walk or a jog this afternoon. But getting the uh, the old joints limbered up was a uh, was really a blast. And uh, my podcast with Glenn Murphy last week, where he helped me think about these tough poses and challenging positions as something to sort of breathe into with curiosity. I used that technique and it definitely helped me get through the thing. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Rickney Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Kelly Cameron, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzet, Jeanette Benham, Gila Sert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Val Lineman, Nick Harper, Bandana Chawley, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Sharon Hirschman, Linda Ayad, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olikoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Peter W. Evans, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Billbury Elf, Marjorie Lewis, Trisha Adams, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarit Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi. Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, Sarah Johnson, Catherine Floyd, for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. 